Hello and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie. I'm joined by my co-host, Will. Hello. And Park. Hello. This week we watched Nomadland, a year-long day-in-the-life documentary about the life of Francis McDormand. So, uh, this one, uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it won Best Picture, like, what, three weeks ago when this comes out? Yeah, two weeks we're ago. a little late, but we had to watch Mortal Kombat. So. <laughs> yes, that was very important that we watch Mortal Kombat first. Yes. Um, but it was a Will pick, so Will will start us off with a little recap. Yes, I will. Uh, so, Nomadland is about Francis McDormand, who is a woman in her 60s and is the same thing in this movie. <laughs> I think actually I don't know how old she is in real life, but she loses everything. Like her her town that she uh, was it living in with her husband who has died. Uh, like the town itself is like gone because it was a like mining town, and the mine closed down during or I guess shortly after within ten years, within three years of the uh, two thousand eight crisis, right? Great recession, all that. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> it's a ghost town now. She has nowhere to go and no money. So she uh, is living that van life, uh, as they say. Hashtag van life. She's Instagramming. She's driving around. Uh, she's not. I feel like I'm gonna have to make up. <laughs> I'm gonna be telling a lot of lies about this movie just because not nothing happens in it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna have to like make up things that she does. <laughs> but it's about. Uh, living in a van mostly in the American Southwest and uh, most of the other characters are played by like real people who actually live in vans but a lot of the stuff is like dramatized you know it's it's like scripted and obviously everything with McDormand is scripted this isn't actually a documentary about her life mm-hmm. um, and yeah, that sets the movie. It's a lot of nature shots. Um, it's about her sort of growing to accept the loss of her husband and finding a place for herself in the world like late in life. It's kind of like a weird... The movie has is very concerned about like growing old and dying. <laughs> That's like maybe the most consistent thread throughout the film because almost all the van dwellers are old people uh except for like one kid so another angle to this movie on top of the like how do you cope with aging when you are (laughs) getting old and also have no money like how do you spend your final couple decades uh it also there's some political angles to this i mean i talked earlier in the little recap about the Great Recession of 2008 that sort of led Frances McDormand's character down this road, as well as pretty much all the other characters you see, right? Like, they're... A lot of the people that are kind of going down this van life, nomad lifestyle are doing it due to, like, financial issues that are a direct result of the financial crash. This movie has a few things to say about that. Maybe a few things to say about uh, the way the country is going after the financial crisis, particularly with Francis McDormand's character working at Amazon uh, twice. Mm -hmm. 
and like the way they depict it where a lot of people who live in van it seems like it's a program specifically for like people who live in mobile homes or rvs i guess not mobile homes is the wrong word rvs or vans to go and work at amazon for like a very temporary like a seasonal thing i guess around the holidays so they can ship out more stuff Mm -hmm. i mean yeah they they Um, even pay for their like rv slip too yeah there's the the program that she's using at the start of the movie to like get not it's not even hotel accommodations right but it's like a part or is it a hotel that she's staying in at the beginning no it's it's an rv park that she's staying okay she's, she's in her van she's just in yeah, an rv right. park that amazon is paying for her parking spot for her yeah it's sort of almost like a modern company town thing but like even more pathetic and bare bones <laughs> of yeah. just like here we'll pay for your spot in an rv lot while you do seasonal work for us in you know, I it I for some reason I had seen a lot of what I had seen about the movie before we I started watching it was about the Amazon stuff, which is a very small slice of the movie. It was less than I expected to. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to be like way more sharply political than it is, and that is not the movie that it is. But it it does seem to draw this comparison between like some of Amazon's practices and the sort of like company town mine town behaviors that is that even illegal i don't even know no, because it's... the way they talk about empire nevada which is the town that ceased to exist after the mine closed i i don't know that it was like you know what you would read about in a historical fiction novel about living in west virginia coal mines but it sounded pretty similar i mean i think the concept of a company store <laughs> is illegal but the existence of like mining towns, oil towns is like still a very real thing of like a town where the entire economy is based around this one natural resource in that location, but they have to pay you real money. <laughs> so like the mm-hmm. company can't just own, can't own a general store or whatever. Yeah. Well, maybe they can. It probably depends a lot on how good the local government is at that area. Yeah. I was right. going to say specifically in Nevada, there's a thing going on right now where the oh state government, yeah, is in talks with some like tech giants about setting up their like what what the hell are they called like independent economic zones or whatever special economic zones where it's like it essentially is just a modern company town but for tech companies instead of mining companies that in we're actually seeing that in atlanta as well but it's not not in that not in that kind of fucked up way that What's going on out there? I was to say, are there city states in Georgia? No. <laughs> well, God. I mean, we have fucking Buckhead who wants to be their own little city state in Georgia. But um, no, so with like, you, you still see this kind of model, just not necessarily as extreme as it used to be, even within major cities. So down in Howell Station, and which is kind of on like the, I, I would say like sort of on the northern side of Bankhead, where the quarry is. Microsoft has bought that land and they have bought all of the land around it. They are putting their East coast headquarters there. Um, But part of that deal is like, they have agreed, like they're building a community center. They are upgrading the schools in the area. They are bringing in grocery stores. They're bringing in department stores to that area. 
they are kind of building not necessarily a company town, but this company-based community that never would have existed there if not for Microsoft coming in. Yeah, but then you have the, like, slimy overtone of, like, we're doing this to make people want to, like, work at our company. Well, I, yeah, no, I'm not saying that it's not slimy. I'm just saying, like, it still exists to this yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 there is a co-option of positive community efforts by these companies to, you know, fluff up their image, but they don't actually give a shit and they make that evident at the first possible turn see everything Amazon does. Yeah, um, which I was kind of disappointed they didn't get more into because they depicted... Well, I mean, anyone like paying attention will get sort of what they're pointing to, right? Or what they're like gesturing at with her working at Amazon when she's so like desperate and how it's kind of weird that they're like paying for a spot for her in this RV park. It they show her time actually working there is pretty much nothing but like pleasant. <laughs> but which I- was surprising. I, I I don't think the point of the film though is to like call out the bullshit that Amazon pulls necessarily. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think this film has a lot fewer political ambitions than I expected it to. Yeah, it's uh sort of inter- the most interested it gets is like specifically Frances McDormand's character getting angry at like the real estate guy later in the film, but. It is not looking to make any grand statements mm-hmm. <laughs> politically, uh, which disappointed me a little bit because I think with a topic like this, there's so much to say, right? Yeah, and that's what I just... I, I So what we said off mic before we started is like this movie does what it's trying to do very, very well, and we'll, we'll get into the technical stuff. Um, but yeah, it... There were times where I wished that it made more direct commentary on what's going on, but that's not really what the movie is doing. It's essentially planet Earth, but instead of following the migratory patterns of African birds, it's the migratory patterns of old people in the Southwest. Uh, so it's it's based on the book, which I, I didn't realize was based on a book until very recently doing research. And by very recently, I mean like an hour ago. But um, it's based on a book called Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century. And a lot of the characters who are, like we've said, like they actually have real, I guess you call them nomads in this movie. Um, specifically, Linda May, Swanky, and Bob Wells all were actually part of writing this book. They were the ones who were interviewed for this book. And the book was written about the time period just following the 2000 like the recession and it focuses more on the people and how they survive than the political issues that they faced because of the recession like like what political issues have led them to have to live this way um because for some of these people like they clearly seem to truly enjoy living this way yeah, and some of the characters are doing it by choice, purely. Yeah. Um, but there is, there's kind of this overtone, and I do think, I mean, to its credit, the movie is trying to give you some credit and understand that you're smart and in tune enough with the current climate of the United States of America to, to understand 
the conditions that put some of these people in this position but at the same time there are there are some people that are just doing it to enjoy that lifestyle yeah they just like <laughs> driving around exploring you know and that's a well and good although it was kind of interesting the guy at when they had their big meetup they had like the guy leading it was talking about being like emancipated from the american dollar basically that's the, yeah uh, that's was, the bob wells guy who actually uh, does have that yeah thing. which uh hey i'm i'm all for if you want to go live off the grid go for it you know be my guest although you won't be able to listen to our podcast anymore and you'll be sorely missed um, <laughs> but uh it is interesting that they included that in the film because no one in this movie comes anywhere close to that sort of emancipation if anything it is just the opposite where uh needing money pretty much entirely dominates francis mcdormand's life in this film like the entire time it is a constant shadow over her head and it never leaves yeah <laughs> and that is i uh, one of the more political aspects right as you get this juxtaposition of the characters i'm saying characters but they're they're real people we brought that up right that these are yeah. These, these are, are actual real nomads, people. other than um, Francis McDormand. Other than Francis McDormand probably has yeah. a nice house somewhere. Yes, yeah, so I'm sure Francis McDormand uh, does not live in a van, but <laughs> Francis McDormand's character, Fern, what was I saying? Yeah, you get the juxtaposition of the characters that are doing this as like a retirement, because some of them are, right? There's And uh, there's tragic circumstances around some of those, too, because this movie is an hour and 45 minutes of misery porn. But there are a lot of characters that are retired and they're just they're just vibing in the desert and having a good time. Uh, but then you get Frances McDormand or uh, not swanky Linda is the other one that she works at an RV uh, campground with who are not able to retire because <laughs> the economy <laughs> that kept them going for the first 50 years of their life was fucking brutally destroyed and disemboweled before their very eyes and they were just abandoned by the government so yeah. now they're driving around doing migratory work in their 60s living in a van and it's fucking dark man it's not it's not a fun movie there's some beautiful there's some there's some fun technical stuff but totally god it's brutal especially uh with how many characters especially because everyone's so old mm -hmm. are like about to die at any given moment right and so much of the like nomadic lifestyle for these people is like a uh what do you do with the time you have left sort of thing and wanting to they kind of hit on this at the end of like I've spent like too much of my life remembering things rather than trying to create new memories. Yeah. So, and I, I, I like that sentiment. I thought that was pretty effective the way they like tied that in. Cause like, once again, for like what this movie is trying to do pretty much nails it. Like it does, it does. I mean, there's a reason it won best picture and best director it for what it is trying to do. It does it perfectly. And another thing it was trying to do brings us to my next little topic is, uh, <laughs> scare the shit out of the academy yes <laughs> that is true because this movie i think impacted all of us a little bit right uh a lot of heavy emotions a lot of dark feelings about things like the great recession but 
two members of the Academy who tend to be old and white. This has to be one of the most terrifying films they've ever seen. (laughs) I think all of us probably have maybe a slightly harder time putting ourselves in the shoes of like a Francis McDormand because we're all in like our mid-20s and the American Southwest is probably going to be underwater by the time we're that age. So it's like, how could we even Mm -hmm. get around? (laughs) Um, But for the... People on the Academy, it's a bunch of, like, rich guys who are like, oh, my God, I would hate to shit in a bucket. <laughs> That'd be awful. We need to give we need to give Frances McDormand an Oscar stat. <laughs> she had to talk to these people? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it definitely, and this is, okay, this is me being derogatory towards the Academy, not the movie. It definitely appeals to, like, the old white savior vibe, right? Of like, yeah, what can we do without these nomads? Yeah, uh, this is one of the like the incred the pinpoint accuracy with which they target the academy. It's pretty incredible. Uh-huh. Just a movie entirely about old people. Yeah, and I don't get the impression that the movie was made with that intent, but it certainly accomplished that, anyways. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they just made it to be Oscar bait, but I don't... I got I, that impression a little bit. A, a little uh, bit, but I, I feel like their intentions were largely sincere. It's hard to make something that's this, like, beautiful as a work of art when you have no soul going into it. Yeah. Not to get sappy, but it's a sappy fucking movie, so I'm gonna do that. Well, unfortunately, the director has now sold her soul and is gonna be making Eternals for the MCU. That's part of why I'm like, this feels maybe it's like an intentional Oscar (laughs) (laughs) bait. And like, the not committing to any, to very many like political stances sort of hits different when she signs on for mcu stuff you know like it yeah it makes you think particularly when i think she's had a movie like done like through amazon studios and it's like i mean hey i i think we all have prime right i'm not yeah (laughs) i'm in a glass house throwing stones right now but our our director is not quite so like indie artsy i mean francis mcdormand is in the movie right like i mean like (laughs) that is the thing though with like yes she's done films through amazon but a lot of those still kind of fall under the indie bracket. Amazon's just kind of the publishing front for them, so they become an Amazon exclusive. Like she, I, I would still, I would up until this point have still considered her an indie uh, director. Yeah, MCU is the stepping point out of that. Yeah, <laughs> you got the fucking marketing for that. Can you imagine? Disney being able to slap Oscar Best Picture winning director Chloe Zhao uh, onto I, their marketing. It's going to be everywhere. I think that the trailer for it came out today as well. I haven't, I have not watched it yet though, because I just, I just don't care. Oh, they had like a weird trailer thing that was advertising a bunch of new properties. So I'm not sure. The and the issue with that, if you're uh, doing that in like the MCU is that all of your properties look exactly the same. So I couldn't, they kind of bled into each other. Yeah. They are a like immortal alien race. Thus their name eternals. I think it's also 
the first LGBTQ superhero as well is involved in this. Um, I think Angelina Jolie's playing somebody in it. I don't know. I don't know enough about Marvel. Same. I feel. I feel like Angelina Jolie is like the death mark for a lot of <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs> and which I, I guess can bring us to the next little talking point. Do you think it deserved the Oscar? And <laughs> everyone, keep in mind, we didn't see like maybe half of the best <laughs> stuff. But out of the movies we've seen, which for me, it's just Nomadland. Uh, Promising Young Woman and Sound of Metal. And I think that's it for nominees. Yeah, I mean, I saw I saw Minari. I watched it with my family. I I probably would have said Minari would have won over, was going to win over Nomadland, but I, you know, I Best Picture really is like doesn't matter that much to me. As uh, as even as a film buff, like yes, best picture says a lot, but like I've seen a lot of best pictures that I personally didn't like or did not prefer to win. Um, but no, I do think it deserved best picture. Definitely deserved best director for the fact that she you know was working with actual nomads and was able to create a very beautiful film. Um. And Frances McDormand is Frances McDormand, and of course she deserves the Best Actress Oscar. Even though, like, Carrie Mulligan killed it in Promising Young Woman, and I would have loved to see her win, or Viola Davis from uh, Ma Rainey's, because I also love Viola Davis, but Frances McDormand always just kills every role she does. She was great. I thought, I mean, of the three that we watched, Sound of Metal was my favorite one. Mm Mm-hmm. From a a filmmaking perspective, I can totally understand why this one it it is beautiful, unreal. How good the shots in this movie are! They're they're fantastic. But I don't know. I I enjoyed Sound of Metal more, even though all three of the ones we watched were fucking miserable, dude. I should have watched. I'm really mad I didn't watch Judas the Black Messiah before it went off streaming. I gotta find it. <laughs> Which like. It's probably not going to be super happy because it's like about one of my political heroes getting <laughs> fucking assassinated yeah. by the Chicago police. That's also kind of a bummer. Like, but, uh, that might be the most depressing because like instead of just like, oh, this person has cancer, it's like this movement has been murdered. Yeah. <laughs> the FBI killed this guy. I mean, like the end of the Black Panthers. Fucking tragic. Not not. I know historically not the actual end, but effect functionally the end, right? Like the only one of like the best picture films that I feel like has some kind of like brightness to it would almost be Minari. I really enjoyed it. It was adorable. Um, it's wonderful. I have to check it out. It is really, really good. It's beautiful. It's sad. It's happy. It's a whole mix of emotions, but it's good. Um. I didn't see Trial of Chicago 7. I've heard very mixed things about the politics in it. Um, I've heard, I think with that topic, you're going to get like crazy varying (laughs) opinions. And Uh, personally, I can't watch The Father. I love Anthony Hopkins, but I I don't think I can make it through that film. I will be crying the entire time. Um, And I just don't want to do that right now. Yeah, I don't need that in my life. Yeah, for me, it's like, 
I'd say this is probably like I'm not surprised that this won it over what I've seen. Like this is probably the better movie to me over Promising Young Woman or Sound of Metal, but it's pretty close. And like none of these movies I'm ever going to watch. <laughs> They're just like so outside of the stuff that I normally am interested in. It's been it's been a weird awards <laughs> season and maybe maybe it's not weird because th- thinking back it's pretty rare that like during oscar season like i've seen all of these and there's so many that i can't wait to return to <laughs> i mean like i do want to watch mank at some point um it won best cinematography for a reason i mean they they pretty much do a shot for shot recreation of like all the scene setups and everything from citizen kane but about the making of citizen kane and I love Gary Oldman. Um, I, I definitely want to see that film. I probably won't watch Trial of Chicago 7. And definitely won't watch The Father. And I do want to see Judas and the Black yeah. Messiah. But Mank's probably going to be my next one. Yeah, Mank sounds cool. Isn't Trial of the Chicago 7 is a... Uh... Isn't like Aaron Sorkin involved somehow? I think he's Aaron the director. Sorkin directed it. He's the, and the writer. That, he's the writer and director. That is an enormous red flag for me. I am deeply <laughs> concerned. <laughs> this is going to be good. yeah. Aaron Sorkin making a movie about COINTELPRO shit. Very yeah, spooky. right. Like uh, Aaron Sorkin, uh, politically garbage. Yeah, he did. He did West Wing, which is a actually kind of fun show. Uh, it's politically like shit but uh it's it's a fun show i haven't seen any of the only thing i know about aaron zorkin is that like quote or like that little scene from the first episode of the newsroom of like a guy who is clearly just supposed to be aaron zorkin like owning a group of college kids in a lecture with facts and logic (laughs) (laughs) it was i was like oh my god this is the worst thing i've ever seen i feel like the only best picture winning movie okay i almost said something dumb there are two best picture winning movies that i have you seen were about to leave times. out lord of the rings weren't you i was yeah i was gonna <laughs> say no country for old men it's like i've seen that movie twice and i would watch it again but also return of the king won, and i've that's probably the movie i've seen the most times in my life because i am i love i that am movie. the white man uh, <laughs> Like, thinking back, like, even back to, like, what, Parasite, or, or, or like, a No Country for Old Men, it's, like, none of these movies are anywhere close to those for me. Uh, no. Yeah, they, they are, like, so much better. And it might be because, uh, how many movies got nominated for Best Picture this year? Eight. Yeah, only eight movies came out this year, so that might be why... <laughs> I mean, but there's only ever really like eight or nine nominees for Best Picture. Yeah, probably. I, I guess they're in case of the COVID. But <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> like nothing came out. So like only stuff that it was basically done and just like in the editing room before the pandemic hit. <laughs> they do anything. Part of that's just demographic too, though, where like this movie was not made for us. Uh, but, but No Country for Old Men definitely was. <laughs> as an example but yeah like scrolling uh, back through like past but like parasite yeah. one and then like made for- i need but to watch parasite I it's so good you'd like it 
But yeah, like over the last few years, like some of the winners, like Parasite dominates all the movies on this list. Uh, I would say Birdman dominates all the movies on this list. Jesus Christ, how was American yep. Sniper fucking nominated with fucking Birdman fucking. and Grand Budapest Hotel? Check out my YouTube and channel Whiplash? for my opinion on that fucking movie. <laughs> Wh oh how was God. American Sniper put in the same category as those movies? American Sniper is a, like, it, it isn't even functional on, like, if you throw all the politics out, which is really hard because that is what the movie is yes. about. Um, like, even just as an action film, it is not good. Which isn't, like... Fucking King's Speech is killer. American Sniper was nominated for the same reason Judas and the Black Messiah didn't win. Put it that way. Um, like Hurt Locker won. I think Hurt Locker, I guess, is probably the last war, like major war movie to win. But also, like, yes, it has like a lot of political issues. But it was, it's a really well done movie. I can give it to Hurt Locker yeah. that, like, I don't think I think there was another movie that came out that year that I thought was better. Glorious but... Bastards. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, like, way more deserving. But uh, The Hurt Locker is certainly better than... American Sniper. Uh, that director's next movie. Uh, she shoot Zero Dark Thirty oh, next, God, right? Yeah, she did, didn't she? I'm really glad I haven't seen any of these movies. Yeah, man. Zero... Like, the difference between Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker, it's like night and... It's like, it's like she chained... It's, it's like a different person directed yeah. it. It's really shocking. It's wild. Even uh, once again, even if you take politics out of it, just like the pacing and like how interesting <laughs> stuff is happening scene to scene, it's crazy. Like, I feel weird. A little bit picking on this movie because like we've said what it's trying to do it does really 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 well it's just not the kind of thing that i would choose to watch personally if this was somebody's like a favorite movie of the last couple years like i wouldn't judge them or blame them like i totally get that it's just yeah. not my thing it's like it's like if someone made made you like meatloaf and they made the shit out of that meatloaf it was like the best they worked so hard they did everything right it was perfectly uh loaf shaped or whatever <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's like you still you still like don't want it that bad <laughs> right it's like i appreciate all the effort you did a great job meatloaf fans are out of their mind right now excited but not for me <laughs> I can respect this film, but I don't ever see myself watching this film again. I don't think it's a rewatch at all, really. I Something that I'd been thinking of ever since I watched it was how much more interesting this would be to me if it was just a documentary. Um, if they just like talked to <laughs> nomads about their life and like cut out all the stuff with, I mean... I, Frances McDormand would be sorely missed, but she is sort of, like, you would get at the things that interest me more, which is, like, the actual people doing this and the reasons they have for doing that and, like, the struggles that they run into. Like, you would hit on that more effectively, and, like, so much of this movie is just 
focusing on real nomads anyway, interspersed with like cuts of <laughs> Francis McDormand uh, looking off screen at something. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> like, so there was a documentary based on the book in 2017 called Camper Force. Maybe I'll and take that out. The, and the author of the book served as producer for it. It's interesting because I think if you were trying to boil down what this movie is trying to do or say, there's kind of two ways you can look at it. And one is like using the character of Fern as a lens to look into this nomad life and some of the like political or not political well yes political economic decay of modern america and this like abandonment of that older generation in a way or some members of it and you could replace the character with just a fucking camera and make a documentary like you're saying right yeah uh and that would be cool that would be interesting but then the other side of this movie is that it's also just a movie about loss and moving past loss and learning to Accept it. live in the kind of empty place that you find yourself. Because from a cinematographic, however the fuck you say that, perspective. <laughs> cinematographic? Right? Like, cinematographic, yeah, whatever. A lot, a lot of, so many of the shots that are so beautiful in this movie are just like, massive open empty space like the badlands <laughs> yeah like the badlands in south dakota or the the desert in arizona the uh it's not the grand canyon but like the similar looking rock formations and uh, is she supposed to be in colorado at that point i don't know well, i think the, that's still in the badlands those there's like layered rocks oh, and okay everything. that is the badlands yeah california coastal highways all this stuff of just like the they do this i mean this is what the movie does it's pretty so well is yeah it is beautiful and it does a really good job of using the camera to create space not create it but to show you space in these lonely people existing in it and sometimes there's a lot of people and they fill it up and sometimes it's just francis mcdormand <laughs> and that is the other the the movie is kind of both of those broad things at the same time, right? Of like almost a documentary where you could replace this character with a camera and it would it would be a documentary, but also trying to tell this emotional story. If it does blend these two things super well, I don't know that I've seen a movie exactly like this before. I don't think I have. It's like oh man, I don't know. Now I'm I'm starting to like mentally nerd out about like huh this is really interesting from a artistic perspective, and it is. Again, there's a reason that the movie won the award for as much as I like to make fun of the Oscars. I'm still not gonna watch it again. <laughs> it's still not my thing, but it is really interesting. <laughs> it's, well, it's also you know a downer for the most part, which uh, huge fucking bummer. Dude. A lot of it's just like uh, it's people hanging out. It's it's we've said we've you know we've gone over this a million times it's a vibes movie i think um yeah the vibe is bad though but it is a vibe vibe is uh only in set but uh, (laughs) 
there's so many scenes of Francis McDormand doing odd jobs around the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just constant. Um, and it's like stuff like that where I was watching, I was like, man, I'd rather... It, it, it was it was moments like that in the film where I was like, I think this would be better as like a documentary. Like I wouldn't miss all the... Because there is good stuff there with Francis McDormand's character, but I wouldn't miss it as much as I am like interested in more details about the nomads and you can like you can like sit down people for an interview in a pretty landscape you know yeah like you can just go somewhere beautiful and like film someone talking you know did y'all have to read into the wild in high school yes yeah i think i skimmed it (laughs) yes i i believe i did too I was just mad at the guy after a while. Yeah, well, so I was going to say, the the stuff with, like, the odd jobs and the migratory working sort of reminded me of that. And this, to me, is, like, uh, a better way to look at that life or a more, like, compelling one than Into the Wild was. <laughs> because I was Certainly just saying... a healthier like, the, way of the, going about it. Yeah, like, Into the Wild is, like, from this perspective of, like, oh, this young man chose to do this brave, interesting thing, and then he died trying to courageously live his own life. But, like, okay, he's kind of a dumbass, right? Like, what? don't fucking go live in the woods by yourself if you don't know what you're doing, you moron. Yeah, there's some prerequisite research. I mean, that's what, like, Swanky tells francis mcdormand's character like you will die out here if you're not prepared and you don't know how to like fix things yourself yeah you have to respect the environment and the fact that it could fucking kill you if you're not paying attention right <laughs> which is what happens to the end of the wild guy he ate poison berries and he fucking died because yep. he didn't know what he was doing they he also... didn't even have winter boots and he hiked into the wilderness of alaska by himself they, anyway, they actually getting just towed, like, they just towed his bus out of there finally like a year ago or so. Really? Yeah, like the famous bus from the cover of the book and everything. I did not know that. Yeah, it was like just generating so much tourism to that spot, which was also generating a lot of trash because people are terrible. Um, and also, you know, the bus itself is really just trash. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I. I... Like we said, in this movie, there are the nomads who have chosen to do this as a retirement plan, essentially, right? Uh, But I appreciate that it showed, like, people that are forced into this as well, and that, like, that lifestyle is not necessarily a thing you choose to do to be free or whatever. Like, sometimes it's just some shit that you got pushed into, and it fucking sucks. Yep. Yeah. Although McDormand's character is sort of in between. Yeah. Where, like, she had somewhere to go. It's just she wasn't, like, <laughs> happy being in, like, a city. Like, she just, like, genuinely really likes nature and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting. And probably, like, a good way to take her character, but... Yeah, I don't know. See, all of it to me, it's like it's so much less interesting than the scene of, yeah, like the lady telling her like you could die out here, like you need to be prepared. And I'm in my brain, I'm like, oh, what do you need to be prepared for? Tell me more. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like tell me about like the dangers of living out here. Like, 
that'd be really cool to hear from the horse's mouth. You know? Yeah, I think Swanky is the most compelling side character slash real nomad mm-hmm. uh, from both perspectives of like the the documentary perspective of the real life, but also the artistic one because the the monologue that she has talking about kayaking in Alaska and seeing the like swallow nests on the cliff is some beautiful shit dude and that apparently that was like a real thing that she talked about in talking to the author of the book and then to the filmmakers uh and they told her they were like remember that so that you could we could film you doing it. <laughs> to her credit a lot i mean all of the nomad people are good on camera man i don't know i didn't realize yeah, that they weren't actors i don't know if that's <laughs> that's direction or just like Old people being good at telling a story, man. Uh, <laughs> I would both, say it's definitely it was... at least a, somewhat of a credit to, to Chloe Zhao that she was able to yeah, get like those kind of performances. Yeah, like that is not an easy thing to do, you know. Yeah. Taking it back to that Italian neo-realism. Yep. Y'all been to Film 101? <laughs> we got real people as actors up in here. Oh, that's what we could... We should do... Um... What's the like roller skate force seven or what rollerblade force seven or whatever that like awful I think it was an eighties or early nineties movie where they did like Zen filming where it's like normal people and they just kind of set up the scene for them and let them just fucking roll with it. Jesus. Like a bad idea. (laughs) And they're all on roller skates. It's like Mad Max, Mm. it's a post apocalyptic world, but you're on roller skates. Okay, that rules. <laughs> now I want to see it. No, but I mean, like, it's definitely, like, a mix of both of just, like, these people being very good at telling their story, but also Chloe Zhao being able to, like, direct normal people, too. Like, you know, knows how to work with just your average citizen. Yeah. I wonder if the thing Bob was talking about with his son was real. Because that was another gut richer. Like, watching this old man break down, I was like, God damn, dude. This movie's such a fucking bummer, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, I knew it'd be sad, but... I'm glad I watched it in the middle of the day. If I had watched it last night, I would have just been laying in bed, like, like Oh, yeah. Why? <laughs> why did I do that? <laughs> I'd probably have more negative... Well, I don't know. Would I have more negative feelings towards it because it ruined my sleep, or would I be artistically impacted by experiencing misery directly after watching the movie? I don't... I do think art artistically... I don't know. Okay, now I'm going to waffle on my earlier answer about Best Picture. No, Actually, no, I'm not. I... I <laughs> Are you, I, are you waffling on your waffling right I'm now? Waffling, yes. I, this movie has turned me into a human waffle. Um, no, I did. Okay, I enjoyed Sound of Metal more. This may be artistically, though, the more impressive movie to me. I'll put it that way. Gotcha. I think that's the that's pretty legit, right? Like, I think this movie, like. There's nothing I can say that it did wrong without turning it into just a different product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's about what I can say, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
Like any anything I've been saying has been pretty much just like Will wanted to watch a different movie, which like, <laughs> isn't really like the director's fault, <laughs> you know. Uh, like she nailed what she was trying yeah. to do. Um, but speaking uh, of downers, yes, Bob Wells' story about his son is true. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, dude. unlike Swanky's story Fine. about her having character is fictional for just the film. At least she's still alive. I I don't know. She might actually have cancer, but she is still alive. Uh, but the story about Bob Wells' son is true. Bringing me right back down. Dude. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, fuck, man. That's what this movie does, right? Like, <laughs> it it does. I in part. It's a thing that only movies could do on some level, right? Of you combine these beautiful shots of just like vast open unpopulated american landscape of the fucking south dakota badlands with abject human misery you know if that if that doesn't make you feel something and speak to your poet soul on some level there's something wrong with you it's the doesn't mean i'm ever gonna watch it again because that that shit sucks it's like the mise-en-scene i mean it it, it, it's a perfect example of mise-en-scene what (laughs) how you set up your shot and your scene and your actors and everybody to like truly evoke emotion yeah it's french it's french for how the movie looked (laughs) took a film class over here i gotta i gotta use my my knowledge from my one film class and being on the executive board of cinema club for five years you do that is you know that's our that's our whole bit you sort of know what you're talking about, and I don't, so you can teach me things. <laughs> but you can't make me watch Citizen Kane. No one can take that away from me. Fine. I have the power to not watch this movie. The the place in South Dakota, Waldrug, that's, re- that's real, by the way. Yeah, I know. That With the real. 80-foot dinosaur and everything. Have you been yeah. when, when you used to go to, to the Dakotas? I did not go there because... It was very far away from where I was, but the people in the part I went to still talked it up. They're like, "You got to come back, and we'll we'll go to the Badlands and stop at Waldrug and get a one dollar coffee on the way by." I was like, "Why is that a big deal?" It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking grim. <laughs> I was like, "Y'all can live somewhere else, right? You know that Night- nightmare state. <laughs> you don't have to live." <laughs> Jeez. It's so flat, dude. We can get a $1 coffee. <laughs> Go look at the 80-foot-tall plaster dinosaur. Okay, the dinosaur is sick, though. That's that's awesome. But uh, the the rest of it, I don't know. The rest not, of it sounds like shit. <laughs> I guess recommendations, I feel like that's kind of... Nah, it's been said and done. Weird for this movie. I mean... Look, watch it if you're a if you're a film nerd, but if you're not, you're gonna be sad. Yeah. So if you like being sad, I guess watch it, but otherwise don't do that. Yeah. It's one of those is like you know if you're gonna like yeah. it. Kinda. Yeah. Like based on like if you read up on it. I should <laughs> I should read up on it. <laughs> you don't need us to tell you. We could have watched a Bollywood movie. It was a really great action. Just like, Bollywood I movies saw... <laughs> are wild and they're fun. Yeah. Although the downside is that they're all like three hours, but like there's one that 
someone <laughs> described as uh, the Indian John Wick. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds fucking cool. That sounds sick. <laughs> I'll link y'all the trailer after this. Next time. All right. Well, that's our show then. So thanks for, I almost said watching. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Be sure to leave a like, rating, review, whatever you do on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Find us at Jump Cuts Pod on all the stuff. Uh, Park. Plugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the people can find me at... Because I don't really use my personal Instagram anymore. I only really use ours. <laughs> You're really going to make Will edit that sound and make it not sound like ass and no. everybody's ears. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the people can find me at on Instagram at summerhour underscore brewing. <laughs> Will. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WillPostsWords, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Will Johnston. Uh, me, Charlie B. posts on Twitter. Uh, dude, I'm just going to start posting my every thought on our joint podcast account, because none of us fucking use any of our joint so or, or our personal social media. It's so useless. Why do we... <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> Maybe I will. No, actually do it, though, because then maybe somebody will start paying attention to our Twitter. No, you guys have seen my thoughts. I can't I can't do that. I need somebody. I'll run them through a filter first. We'll figure it out, but that's not important. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, see you next Thursday with my pick, which will be less depressing than this, I promise. I thought you, I thought you were single. Where's your thought? I will fucking fight you. <laughs> I'm hitting stop. <laughs> <laughs>